Trails Collective world. What's going on? Ian here for the Trails Collective live episode. Uh, we are originally airing here uh, Wednesday, September 7th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this will be available uh, in podcast form. Thank you. Uh, big props to Ellie Pell for uh, your assistance in making that uh, uh, possible uh, each week. So wherever you find your podcast, you can check out the Trails Collective live episodes, as well as the individual sessions that uh, Ellie uh, does as well. Um, so check those out. Uh, for those who tune into us live, uh, for sure, weigh in with any comments or questions that uh, can make the uh, dialogue with the uh, guests that we have on uh, more colorful, I guess. And if you want to drop a comment into the thread, you can do so on the Trails Collective's uh, either Facebook or YouTube channel. Um, for whatever reason, they still don't really uh, weave into my personal page where it's also streaming. And you can always drop a comment. Occasionally, we'll catch them. Uh, the comment, for instance, in Facebook or YouTube and go in and respond later. So if you have any questions for the guests, feel free to drop them in, even if you're not watching it uh, in uh, real time or live. Uh, thanks to all those who uh, share anything the Trails Collective is doing on your uh, own feeds. Thank you to those who uh, submit, I guess, ideas or suggestions or reach out to us uh, for events. Uh, thank you to those who take the next step of becoming a Patreon supporter and, and just showing a bit more support. Uh, that always makes a, a huge difference. So thank you. Uh, so uh, this week, I'm coming in a bit uh, blind uh, in terms of uh, where we're heading the episode. Um, I'm putting on the Virtual Crest Ultras this weekend, uh, paired with kids, paired with uh, working here at the shop. Um, I was hoping to come in and get a half hour of uh, at least prep in here to catch up with our guests and uh, went into some uh, dealing with some uh, individuals' feet and some questions there. Uh, so kind of that's where life takes me. In any case, uh, I am excited to uh, have the guests that we have with us uh, this evening. Uh, sometimes I like to give you the heads up on any FKTs that went down, uh, particularly in uh, Beast Coast routes or the Northeast in prior uh, weeks, uh, some of the results that just happened. I'll try to catch some of the events. Uh, a couple of the guests this week, we were hoping to have Tristan Baxendale, who was the uh, first finisher in of the ring uh, down in Virginia, a good classic event uh, associated with the Virginia Happy Trails uh, running crew. And I also reached out to Paul, the record holder there. Um, the ring is a pretty um, sweet niche uh, gem of an event and community activity. Uh, a pretty uh, burly route, I think around the Massanutten area, if I remember right. Uh, I think it's like 71.5 miles. Uh, Tristan was just the first one through in about uh, 18 hours, I think, for the win. To put that in context, for those who know Tristan, uh, typically finishing toward the podium at some pretty um, Beast Coast uh, Classics, a uh, solid, uh, solid runner. I uh, didn't get a chance to weigh in or connect with him rather on, on how it really went for him race-wise. Uh, but I think Paul's record for the men right there is like something like 13 hours. Uh, and for th that uh, that Delta, it's just pretty mind-boggling. Um, so I was hoping to have Paul on uh, after Javelina, uh, but it sounds like he's been a bit banged up since uh, Massanutten, but we'll try to get him on uh, anyway. Uh, so in any case, the uh, the wing the ring went down. Iron Mountain, another um, Virginia classic, I think pretty close to the southern border there, also went down. I think that's, that's been running a good number of years. Uh, I was hoping to have Sawyer Magnet on, who just got the uh, women's win, uh, but she was tied up this evening, so it didn't happen. So uh, some events that uh, were on my radar did happen. Uh, this coming weekend, in addition to Virgil Crest, uh, there are a couple uh, going that are on my radar. One is the Kismet Cliff Run uh, up in New Hampshire, put on by uh, 603. Uh, endurance and Tom Hooper. Uh, that's been one that's been on my own personal bucket list for a while. Um, I just perpetually have conflicts around uh, this weekend. 
Uh, but for those of you who aren't already tuned into Kismet Cliff, it uh, looks like a really uh, awesome uh, New England mountain course. Uh, check that out and have it on your radars. And another, uh, for, I think it's a first year event happening is the Hurricane uh, 100K uh, going on down in around uh, Hurricane West Virginia. Uh, I forget the actual town name uh, down there. I don't think it's Hurricane proper. Uh, but um, uh, first year event looks like a pretty sweet course. Uh, decent prize purse for a first year event and 100K. I think it's like $7,500 uh, prize purse and uh, looks pretty cool. And um, they've got at least a few, I think, contenders for that top spot for the men. Uh, Caleb Bowen in that mix, uh, for sure. One of them, um, not quite as deep on the uh, women's field. Uh, Holly Ann Swan in that mix, uh, who is a pretty incredible runner and pretty quite fit at the moment. Uh, even for her, uh, probably the uh, top, uh, I would think, ranked female going into that. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, so... Uh, I will check in on uh, those uh, next week and hopefully bring you some voices there. Uh, so from this uh, past weekend, uh, at least, uh, we had uh, the Rut 50K uh, go down. Uh, that was um, one that I think came on pretty strong in terms of uh, the individuals uh, creating the event, the community around it, uh, the marketing behind it. Uh, setting it on the world stage at stage as part of a uh, world mountain or uh, I'm sorry, the world, I think it was part of the sky running uh, series and maybe the U S uh, or I think it was the world. Well, hang on. I'm going to weave in the two guests one of them, Sarah, who I see you on the back end um, multitasking there. Um, looks like you're, you're back at the helmet. And then uh, Jake, I'm going to bring you both on. Uh, so uh, Jake uh, Ross, am I pronouncing your last name? Right. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Ross right on. Cost. And then Sarah Kyes, um, who uh, hopefully many of you will know at this point, um, incredible uh, mountain runner, uh, my co-RD for uh, Whiteface uh, Sky Races and then uh, Mountain Races, um, and a coach and a new uh, relatively kind of revamped coaching business, I think maybe we can plug right this past year or so. Um and we can get into that, but Sarah, you'd probably be able to, and, and Jake, you might be as well, but uh, Sarah, I'm pretty sure you can give me probably a cleaner uh, rundown of the origins of rut and kind of where it really sits on the either sky or mountain stage at this point. Yeah. So the ruts, uh, this was actually the 10th anniversary year of the rut. Um, well, that time flew. Yeah, it did actually. So, but I think they didn't count 2020 when the race didn't happen. So I think the first one was, well, 2013, I thought was the first one. So really maybe they're, well, I guess, I don't know. Either way, they're calling it the 10th yeah. anniversary. <laughs> um, and I, I think it started out, um, Mike Foote uh, was working at Runner's Edge or was good friends with Anders who owns Runner's Edge in Montana. And uh, they decided they wanted to put on an event at Big Sky. And I don't remember if that very first year, if it was part of the US Skyrunning series or not. Um, but 2000. 14, 15, 16, and then I'm getting a little foggy on if in 2017 the Sky Running Series was still a thing or not in the U.S., but um, for several years it was super competitive. Um, Killian Jornet had the men's record on the 50K up until this year when that was broken, so that's a pretty big deal. Um, and I actually did the 28K in 2015, I guess it was, as part of that U.S. Skyrunning series and, um, you know, was very competitive field at that point, too. And it still is. Um, but I think, you know, it overlaps with some other big events that happened, you know, just recently, like UTMB. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's a bit of a, yeah, it, you know, 
people have to it's decide. It's a busy calendar. It really is. So, uh, but yeah, I think, and so currently it's a standalone event. It's um, not a part of a series at all, but it's probably one of the largest trail running events in the country. Um, they got several thousand athletes for the weekend. So if you include the kids. <laughs> Which is, yeah, pretty outstanding. There's like five different races. What, what, what's going on there? What's the rundown? Uh, Friday was the VK. Saturday they had the 28K. Sunday, 50K, 11K. And a Saturday was their kids run as well, the like shorter race. And so they had, I mean, what I thought was really amazing was the number of female registrants that they had when I, I didn't realize until I went to check um, up on some friends running and there was almost, uh, they said it was 47% women's registrants compared to the men overall or, you know, overall. So that's awesome. And maybe we can dig into that here as a um, thread within this discussion too. Um, so, uh, Sarah Kais is coming to us from Saranac Lake, uh, New York. It looks like you're doing some pretty sweet renovations, uh, in the background there. I like the, uh, the hood <laughs> and the, the trim when it's going to come. So it's looking Eventually. Good. Yep. yep. Um, and, um, Jake and, and Sarah, uh, by day, a nurse also works as a bit at Fallen Arch, uh, in Lake Placid, mm -hmm. uh, and really just kind of a globetrotter. I mean, it seems like you're all over kind of following the, um, I don't know, mountains, trails, community. Um, yeah, I um, I actually have a huge project coming up. I'll be headed to the Bhutan in the Himalaya um, to be part of the snowman event next month. So really excited about that. This, this past uh, weekend, I got to meet up with a bunch of people that are going to be there as well. So that was good to connect with them and uh, kind of start brainstorming on, you know, what gear we're going to bring and that sort of thing. So. And Jake, um, you are coming to us from Rhode Island. Did I catch that correctly? I'm from Rhode Island originally, but I live in New York City now. Yeah. Got it. Um, and also some sort of medical orientation. What do you, what's your. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in medical school right now. So also healthcare field. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's kind of a full plate for you at the moment. Where are you in med school? How, where? Uh, I'm in my third year. So like clinical rotations. So you're kind of in the thick of it, so to speak. Yeah. It's been fun though. Like having running is kind of escape from school and, uh, you know, blow some steam after the hospital and keep myself sane. Yeah. And so um, with your roots in um, Rhode Island, <laughs> a chunk in D.C., was that also kind of in your Facebook profile there? What was the D.C. connection? I was born in D.C., but I moved away when I was eight, Got it. I think. So uh, Dartmouth, took you too. And Dartmouth took you a little bit uh, New England-wise, but um, yeah. still a jump coming from, I mean, maybe you can choose to take the stairs, uh, in the hospital, um, and elsewhere, but a jump from, uh, saturated in medicine in New York city. Uh, not that you're not on, I mean, I guess you're on your feet a ton, um, but jump into the rut in Montana. I mean, that's a, that's a good jump. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I did try to take the stairs as much as I could in the hospital and mm -hmm. I would like climb 15 flights and just be out of breath. Be like, ah, I need to do this. I have a race up a mountain. <laughs> Um, uh -huh. but yeah, definitely. I was talking actually to one of the physical therapists at the end of the race and she was saying that there's pretty good data that, um, like heat training translates pretty well to altitude and it was a really hot summer here. So I think like running in the middle of the day helped me. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and the, and that's funny, just thinking about the, uh, crossover, uh, effect there with just the stairs. There was, I was, um, I'm coaching a bit in Ithaca here as well. Uh, and, uh, with the Ithaca college women's cross country team at the moment. 
And there's this one really mild hill on campus where even when I was in my my fittest kind of prime as a collegiate runner, it just like walking up that hill like on campus, I'd always be out of breath. And I always be like, oh my God, like, am I not like I is this all a farce? Am I really not in shape? Like, why am I breathing hard walking up uh, this hill? And so even just like stairs or whatever, a couple of flights, you're like, sweet Jesus, like my quads are tired after like whatever flight stairs. How am I going to go run in Montana? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but otherwise doing just the uh, 20s, I just started into some um, trying to do some Internet stalking uh, when I got shifted into work mode here. Um so this was literally your first result in ultra sign up. So it looks like based on some yeah. of your photos, you've got some uh, road, uh, maybe background and some running background, but this is kind of a, a first foray into trail stuff. Yeah, this is my very first trail race, which was super exciting. Um, I actually don't know how some of my friends found it, but a bunch of Dartmouth buddies found this race like three years ago in 2019. Um, and they ran it a few to the 50, a few to the 28K. <clears throat> and then I wasn't able to go that year because I was like interviewing for medical schools and my schedule was all up in the air. Um, and then like with COVID and stuff, and we finally brought it back this year and got a group and went. Um, yeah. So that was like my yeah. first real trail race, but I've like done a good amount of trail running when I was up in New Hampshire. Um, a few like yep. hemi loops and crazy traverses. So I definitely like love being on the trails. So unless some of your prior Dartmouth um, friends, did you run at Dartmouth or you just did your own thing, kind of ran casually? Yeah, we just had like a club running group. Um, a lot of them was called like dirt, the Dartmouth endurance racing team, which is funny because also dirt on the ground. That's good. Like that name. That worked. Yeah. And so um, for both so of that, you being, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's where I like really got more into running. And then I've been mostly doing road races recently and I'm trying to branch out. And so for both of you being the top, um, I think you're both the top Eastern finishers, uh, men's and women's uh, in the uh, 50K. Um, Sarah, you were right third, I think, overall in the 50K. Uh, and Jake, you were not third, uh, but I think pretty no. much everybody ahead of you was like Colorado, Montana. Uh, I think there was one other East Coast ahead of me, actually, in New York. Yes. Yeah, you have to fact check me there. Galen, Galen, who, who if you're uh, if you're on here, fact check us. Check out those, uh, those rut 50K results and, and tell me if Jake was the first East Coast finisher. But you must have hammered your friends or teammates, though, unless, unless some of them relocated to Montana and just beasts. Yeah, actually, one of them wasn't able to come, uh, Terrence Hughes, which was a real bummer. He got stuck working shifts. Um, but I beat his time from two years ago. Or three years well ago. done. Okay. Way to represent. Yeah. Yeah. And and so for your first one, I mean, that starts in terms of where you're now setting the bar for your trail running experience. I mean, going out to uh, Sarah's point, literally one of the biggest trail events in the country, a lot of marketing, a lot of media, uh, the founders, uh, rich histories. And so know how to put on a really good event and just a cool community space. Like, I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. really such a cool scene. I was so blown away by the community and how friendly everyone was. Like just the base area was a party all weekend. It was awesome. And Sarah, it's got to feel that way for you. I mean, you know a lot of the um, faces out there at this point from the time on trail, and it's got to just be a blast going and, and just hanging out. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. You know, I enjoyed seeing a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a little while, and that's the way I find trail running races usually are, you know, which is nice. Um, and I recently came on as a North Face athlete, actually. So, oh, congrats. Um, thank you. Congrats. Yes, mm -hmm. thanks. So that was kind of my first event uh, wearing the colors, you know. So um, I was pretty psyched to end up on the podium but um yeah it was great it was a lot they were pretty psyched to for have you end up on the podium uh, then too, <laughs> i think actually. so too. yeah yeah <laughs> and that's funny because i was trying to 
um, geek out on what shoes was Sarah wearing for that. Yeah. I was going to bring it up, but I couldn't quite make it out uh, in the photo, or at least the colorway. Yeah, so that's the um, North Face Infinite of the Vective series of shoes. So it worked uh -huh. great, actually. Um, you know, I coming from the Adirondacks, like we're used to super technical terrain here, and I hadn't had a chance to actually try that model specifically out in the high peaks yet here. So I was kind of just going for it, see how it went. But it's so dry and dusty there, um, but a lot of technical terrain and then a lot of hard packed running that I was pretty psyched to have a more cushioned option. Um, and it felt, felt fine, felt good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's great. And given some of the problems you've had with your feet historically, hopefully it ends up being a good match. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, um, Jake, what was, what's your background with, because you ran well, you ran a solid 50K. Sarah, your time was? Six, 645. 645. And then, Jake, you were like 650s? Yeah, 654, I think. Oh, 654. Nice. Yeah. So not too far back. So what's your, what's your road background? What was your, did you have like a fast, like marathon comparably or? Yeah. I've, I've run like a 245 in New York last year, um, which was coming off an injury. I, I want to be able to do a little better than that, but I've been getting quicker as I get older, which has been fun. And then sort of, I'm, I'm hoping to go fast at Chicago this year. And I really had no idea what to expect at this race. So I kind of went out and that first climb set me back a little, but then it was a lot of downhills and pretty flat and then at the bottom. And I was like, oh, this is stuff that I can do. It's not dissimilar to road running. So I felt strong there. Um, and then like really the climb shook me a good deal. And I just, I, I think I went out way too fast as I usually do. I think I was in third till mile 15 or so. And then nice. I just like slowly <laughs> got past. I'm not sure where you passed me, Sarah, but I'm sure you did. I yeah, I found I was super limited by the altitude. I felt like I really which is probably a good thing. You know, I really couldn't push in the beginning, you know, as soon as we hit that first, even on the road, like the race starts out on an, a gradual climb on dirt road and then you get onto single track and wind back down almost all the way back down to the base after like a thousand foot climb. Um, yeah. And I pretty much immediately was like, oh yeah, this, I do not have any like get up and go on this uphill. And I started like sweating pretty heavily, like immediately. And that's supposed to be like the coldest part of the day. So I was like, oh, this isn't great. Um, and my heart rate was just like through the roof. So I was like, well, I guess, I'm limited by what I can do, but then, um, I do think it probably helped me overall. Cause I felt pretty good, you know, after like 12 miles or so, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, like jogging the flats and some of the uphills, like on Headwater Ridge and all that stuff. And I can hammer the downhill. So, uh, that's where I kind of made up most of my time, but yeah. yeah. And so Jake, what do you think you potentially, in terms of how then your race shook out, you just said you took it out a little bit hard, which I guess taking it out around three or top three, I guess that would qualify as, um, maybe punching above your, uh, your weight class, uh, yeah, in that absolutely. field or whatever. Um, so maybe a strategic mistake, but I was going to say, was there anything else that just felt off that with Sarah being a pretty awesome coach here that you've got her for like five minutes to be like, yeah, like this, clearly I didn't do this right. Um, yeah. Usually I have to pay for your advice, but I'm going to ask you right now, like, what can I change based on your coaching experience and training? Yeah, I definitely fell behind on like electrolytes and fuel. Um, I think I, I had a trip around like mile 16 or 17 along the downhills and then my leg just totally cramped. And I was like, uh oh, like this is bad. And I just didn't want to hurt myself, collect myself, really was just walking up hills and then living off of pickle juice shots at the aid stations. It was really like brought me back to life. And then I just like powered through that last climb try to just like keep it within my capabilities and not push too hard and then after that last aid station i was like talking to other people and i heard that it was all downhill from there and i think i rolled uh -huh. in at like six six fifteen or so and i was like okay I, I have a kick left i'm gonna try to like run this and finish under seven 
What's funny though, that last five miles, as they say, is all downhill, but there's actually quite a bit of climbing. There's like probably yeah. 400 feet of climbing in the, in there. But, and it's like the hottest part of the day and you're going through a meadow that's pretty open and exposed. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's kind of rough. It's Especially that last quarter mile climb where you just like hit a wall yeah. again yeah. coming up. And yeah. I, like, I didn't know how close I was. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to hit under seven. And then crested over the top and made it. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I would echo from the, my coaching brain here, like, I was super psyched that I was able to take in like 400 calories an hour, basically, while I was out there, which I've been working on, especially going into the Himalaya, where I want to be able to like, really keep my glucose high. Um, so yeah, I think it's just in training, you got to kind of work on that, like, even in like, an hour run, you should try to take with you like a handheld with some hydration mix in it or something like that, yeah. so you, can, you know, um, but it just takes work. Like it takes practice, you know, training your gut to be able to absorb all that, especially in the heat, you know, which I was worried yeah. about, but, um, yeah, I, that's probably, probably where, you know, like you probably would have felt a little stronger on those climbs, but then again, at altitude, like going to over 11,000 feet, like I didn't feel strong. I was like, I didn't want to make a, a misstep here on that bone crusher climb. So I kind of took a pretty, pretty mellow as well. Yeah. But, I, think I appreciated how big the drop was because I was just staring at my feet. But then yeah. I saw yeah. pictures after I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I did take one misstep at like going up that because uh, I was trying to catch third place. We came into that aid station together at Swift Current, third place and I. And then I was trying to catch her. She left before I did. And um, I was okay with that, but I could see her like just ahead of me the whole climb. And so I was like trying to push a little. And then I made a misstep where I was like, and it, in a safe place, but I kind of like, you know, stumbled to the side and I was like, okay, I, don't, <laughs> I need to back it off a little bit and I'll catch, yeah. her, catch her on the downhill, um, which, you know, the downhill, when we say that is like, Ian, it's like a bed of just shale and like rock that you're running down for Rocks. like literally a mile. It's yeah. like in a good way. Like it moves like there's one. No, no, not really. Like, yeah. There's a little bit of that, like uh, enough that like it's sort of soft sand and like, but that was like, I don't know, hardly any of it, but it's also then so yeah. steep that you're like, you're just trying to stay upright pretty much. But and yep. I, kind of, I would like hit a rock and it would flip up and hit my ankle all the time. Yeah. Just, like, kicking myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, the I chunky was, roll. Go ahead, Gator. sir. I was gonna say Gators definitely were a good choice. Um, I think for this race, if uh, yeah, if you're questioning it, I think Gators yeah. is a 100% go-to. <laughs> yeah, I also had to stop and take my shoes off and empty the rocks. Right. So I, <laughs> I will invest in that for the next one. Yeah. yeah. What uh, What were you taking? What was your 400 calorie source an hour, Sarah? Um, so I use tailwind. So I put, um, 200 calories per soft blast. So that's actually pretty concentrated. Um, you know, like they, I think they recommend like two, um, for 22 ounces, you do if, like that amount of calorie count, but, mm -hmm. um, I've been using it a long time and so I'm used to it. And then in addition, so I was using the, I was drinking those. And then in addition, I had power gel hydrogel, which is like power bar hydrogel, which is a, basically a liquid gel, which I find is really mm -hmm. helpful in the heat as well. Cause you don't have to like really, I mean, my mouth immediately when I started run, running out there just gets so dry, right? Like I'm just like shriveled. <laughs> so having anything that's just liquid really helps. So I was just doing those. And then eventually I think on the, after the last, I guess the second to last aid station, I switched to Coca-Cola and water but I was still able to take in the gels too, which was good. So yeah, just. So for Jake going into Chicago, would you recommend a similar caloric load in kind of a road marathon like effort or. Well, I think with that time frame, not necessarily like, you know, I think at a six to seven hour effort, 
where you're trying to push hard and you're at altitude and it's hot, um, it makes more sense to be able to take in that caloric load because you just need so much glucose where like if you're running, if you're used to training for like a road marathon and it's a, you know, under three hour effort, I would say just a hundred calories every half hour is probably enough. Um, but you can play around with it, you know, in training and like try, you know, try, uh, 300 calories an hour and see if you are like, Oh, I feel really strong. And like, for me, it's more about being able to recover well as in addition. So like, um, you know, in training, when I'm taking in that amount of calorie count, I want to be able to go out the next day and train just as hard, you know? So like I have a long day in the mountains and the next day I want to do another long day in the mountains. If I am not eating enough, I'm not gonna be able to do that. So, um, I think with road marathoning, somewhat you know like yeah so that you can train hard two days in a row back-to-back days if you can and um i think the key one of the keys to that is getting enough calories in during and after your recovery but and what um a plug here sarah what's your coaching entity for if people want to check it out or yeah we're eastern mountain endurance is our coaching uh company Mm -hmm. business and there was a, a comment in here um, from uh, Bradshaw. Uh, we watched Jake race. He did a fantastic job organizing the event. It was top shelf from beginning to end. An awesome event. Um, and it seems like the, uh, yeah, I mean, just the level of that game is so uh, elevated. They've been uh, kind of top tier uh, from the get-go uh, that it's cool to be able to take it in. And I guess that's, I guess there's been a lot of talk. I saw a bunch of uh, plugs today, just UTMB being the focus of the past couple of weeks and just how incredible the coverage was. Uh, there at uh, UTMB as well. So it's interesting to see the level of the, not just production, but the uh, media value uh, heading heading north as well are, are really going up. Yeah. So, Yeah, I think, you know, especially the rep, I think it's a lot to do with the community around it. And like that um, running store specifically, like is well-known like throughout the country, I think is like a specialty run store that's doing the right things for their community. Um, and so like having those people like Adam Peterman's there working the event, you know, he's not running, he's just there to like help out. And like, I saw him all over the court, you know, all over the place. Um, and so they have a slew of those types of, you know, high caliber athletes who aren't necessarily like trying to race themselves. They're just there to like be part of the event or, and, or they're working the event. So that was kind of cool. I thought and pretty unique. Does he work at the shop? He does. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as a full-time gig or like part-time, he does something else and he just works there for the fun of it. I, think I guess he's now running. I mean, yeah, part-time. I think he's there kind of part-time at this point, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a feeling I got. And then my other friend, Jeff Magavero, have you met Jeff? I don't know Jeff. No. Um, he spent some time in the East actually. I met him running in the high peaks actually, but he, um, was it, he did UTMB and he was doing all the, a lot of the media coverage for this weekend. He lives in Missoula now, but, um, great guy. So it's sort of like that type of the, the runner's are the ones running the event, you know? So they, I think they know what people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. You guys, uh, both ran a uh, great Sarah. <clears throat> it's good to see your, your body, uh, healthy and performing again. And I guess your desire there to be in the mountains and always good to see. So a uh, great job. And then Jake, pretty awesome. First, uh, yeah. pretty awesome. First trail race. So a uh, good choice and way to go out and after it and way to just hang in there when it got a little bit ugly. Um, still a great finish for, uh, how you took it out. Um, yeah, one from Benjamin Silva, uh, Jake, are you planning to do any other trail runs? Yeah, definitely. I, I've just signed up for like a triathlon, um, an Ironman for next year. So that's sort of like my new focus after these road races. 
Dude, you're all over the place. What are you, the road know, and then the rut and now an Iron Man? Come on, man. Focus. Focus, son. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like Leadville 100, like, that's a huge bucket lister. <clears throat> like, one day. I think as I get older, I'll, like, transition to longer distances and more trail. And uh -huh. when I leave New York City, <laughs> I can, like, yeah. What's the Iron Man you signed up for? Uh, Lake Placid. So, I'll be up nice. here, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. Well, cool. It'd be, it'd be fun to hear your experience there. Um, I did Lake Placid uh, in 2010, 2012, and I thought it was a, a nice course. Um, and it's in Sarah's backyard. Um, yeah. So hopefully yeah. it's a good experience. Uh, but it'd be cool to see uh, you back on trail as well. Um, so maybe you can find uh, find some good bucket list events. You mentioned Leadville, but maybe you can find some other stuff uh, in our neck of the woods too to uh, check out. Um, and then what's your target for Chicago? I would like to get close to 230, but I don't know how doable it is. Yep. Um, well, you're already questioning it, man. You should just be like, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna yeah. run 230 yeah. and just see where that goes from yeah. there. You, yeah. I had like uh, a 111, 40 half in the spring. I was like, okay, maybe that'll, but we'll see how the later miles do. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then Sarah, you said Bhutan, um, it's mm -hmm. uh, October? You yep. Yeah. Yep. So that'll probably be my next... Next thing, and I'm not really looking at it's a stage race, but I don't think any of us we all kind of were talking about it this weekend. Like, I, I think it's gonna be a group hike, yep. <laughs> which is fine. Uh -huh. More about the experience, I think, to go and, uh, you know, be experience this culture and, and check it out and stuff. So, well, I'm excited that you, uh, I'm excited to see the clips and, uh, yeah, yeah, um, awesome. <clears throat> well, uh, congrats, both of you. Thanks for taking a little bit of time, uh, here this evening. And um, yeah, great job. And I'll uh, reach out to you both uh, down the line. Well, Sarah, I talk to you regularly, so yeah. we'll chat. Um, and then Jay could be cool to uh, keep tabs on what you do as well. Yeah, I'd love to stay in touch. Thank you so All right. much. All right, congrats. Okay, bye guys, thanks. All right, Susie. Hi, how good are to you? see you again. Nice it's good to connect too. with you. I guess when you uh, plugged in last year, is more just sending in a clip in that format. So it's uh, nice to actually uh, engage with you for the first time here on this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. I think last time we just did a little video out on the trail right the day after the race. So yep. we can actually chat about it. You had a pretty fantastic... You're always good. Your your photos... Maybe because I'm just seeing the posts where you're out doing something uh, awesome or fun. But yeah, last year you had that amazing backdrop in the mountains and then just catching your world photo that i put in the uh the title card here um I, i'm always seeing you in amazing places basically yeah well that that i think the one you did in the title card was actually from austria last year ah, um, okay yes but um we were in ireland this year so ah, yeah that definitely yeah. was not ireland yeah no definitely uh, not it was an up down race this year so a little a little bit different uh-huh yeah that's good I, I mentioned uh earlier that uh I'm coming into this episode somewhat uh, blind. The time that I thought I'd have to prep and dig in on all of you and see what was going on was just chewed up by work and prepping for a race this weekend. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was hoping you'd lay out just where. Um, so, uh, Susie, you're coming at us. Are you, I can't remember, are you New Hampshire? Where are you based? Vermont. Vermont. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you have had um, multiple uh u.s uh mountain team inclusions at this point right i mean you've been doing this a little while and yep i started uh, i think my first mountain team was in 99 on the open team and i did that 99 2000 uh 2002 um and then didn't really do much 
after that, but then have really gotten into going to the um, the Masters Mountain races, which anybody can enter. And they're in a different location every year. Uh, usually really fantastic places to travel to. So, yeah. Really and so this is anybody can enter. And so this isn't necessarily like a team selection thing. You can still go represent, but it's not based on the team selection. No, no team selection. Anybody over the age of 35 can enter. Which still just kind of, maybe I, I don't remember, no, because it wouldn't have been, you submitted a clip. I think I've mentioned it in prior episodes where we talk about USATF and how that's formatted. And I don't know about for, for you, but for me, when I got to 42, I mean, that was definitely a kind of a sea change happening in my body. And the past few years now and in my mid 40s, it's like things are just not the same. So yeah. it just seems like really unfair to not start masters at like 40 or over. Like these 35s, like they're still in their prime. Like, how do you consider that masters? Well, I will say they don't get a lot in, in the 35 group, mm -hmm. the smaller group. And you get into the 40s, the 50s, so groups get bigger um, for sure. And then start and, to trickle out at the late 60s. The and are you... Um, I guess weighing the experience versus the fire, right? Because as an open runner, I mean, your body's full on firing, like in its prime or whatever, versus now it's like, we're just, I mean, things are a little bit different. I mean, does it still feel all the same to you? Do you feel like you're just kind of raging on the mountain, like just as much, so to speak, or is it like a um, different, what you're going after, I guess? No, for me, no, I don't feel like I have that same drive that I did when I was younger, for sure. And I don't know if it's just because I'm trying to do too many things, you know, I've, career, I own a business, um, have lots of other hobbies now, whereas before I feel like I worked and, and ran. Mm -hmm. So a little different focus. Um, and, and it varies from year to year. Like this year, I didn't really put that much effort into my training, but I turned 60 next year. So I'm hoping to hoping I can fire something up and, and train a little better for next year. And you were fifth at uh, I was sixth, sixth this year. Sixth. Okay. Um, and I imagine top U.S. female? Top U.S. Well, well, in my age group, I was the only one in my age group uh, this year. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so where would you be at the world stage in terms of 60s? I mean, if you're kind of performing this well now, I mean, imagine you'd be up there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful I will be. So next year it will be this year was an up down course and I'm I'm not very good at the downs. Um, and so I did get past a little bit going down. Um, and next year it's going to be an all up course. So I'm looking, really looking forward to that, that race. And what's the, um, what's your business? What I'm a dentist. Oh, dentist. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, crazy time past couple of years with COVID for uh, dentistry. Crazy busy, mm -hmm. very busy. Yes. I think people just getting into their health and, and making sure they're staying on course with with, yeah. With so yeah, we've been super busy. Yeah. So it can be pretty consuming. So in terms of the training load where you said you weren't quite as invested, um, I mean, what's, what's a, a good training, uh, cycle look like for you now going into worlds versus what it may have looked like 20 years ago? Um, well now I try to do a track workout, uh, one time a week. I don't put in the mileage nearly as much as I used to. I'm more, um, I think smart about my mileage. Um, try to make every workout count as opposed to doing junk mileage. It's really mm -hmm. easy to just go out and say, oh, I feel like running two hours when really an hour will do. Yep. Um, and I think that's been helpful, especially aging. Mm -hmm. um, 
because you just break down so much faster. It's so easy to get injured. Um, so I just try to be careful and 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 not get hurt, really. And, uh, and sleep gotten a lot more important. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it used to be, okay, I only got six hours of sleep t tonight, you know, last night. So big deal. Well, now if it's a, a day between sleep and a workout, I'll go for the sleep. Yep. Uh, Keith's in on the back end. I don't, have, have you met Keith Straw? I don't believe uh, so, no. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to call an audible here and bring him in just because in this conversation, um, Susie, meet Keith. Keith, uh, you. <laughs> Susie here. Hi, Susie. Um, so maybe be, I don't know, Keith could weigh in uh, here too if there's any potentially questions. I think you've been maybe uh, listening or maybe catching it so far, but like just talking about, um, I guess, the fire, what the body will handle um, as we're getting up in years. Keith, how old are you at this point? Uh, 67 right now. 67. 67, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and granted, the, I guess, the in, I, I guess I shouldn't assume that. I was going to say the intensity might be a bit different with Susie doing uh, like mountain running championships versus Keith, you going long perpetually. Um, but like, I, I feel similar to Susie where, I mean, the sleep is man, so much more of an issue than it used to be. And I'm still not getting it. So my body just doesn't respond. Like I used to be able to, if I didn't feel fit unless I could do 70 plus miles a week. And now I can't get that without my body um, just breaking down. And so it's a lot different. Um, but then I look at like you, Keith, and I don't know what your routine is, but you're doing, so Keith, we'll get into in this episode, uh, uh, too, but just, uh, crossed his, uh, doing 500, uh, marathons or ultras, uh, threshold. And so literally doing like a marathon or ultra, like every weekend, it's gotta be for the most part. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we're getting back there. We took a bit of a break during the silliness over the last couple of years, but we're now back to doing uh, one a week. Um, the big secret, if there's, no, it's not a secret because I tell plenty of people this. No one believes me, but it is the truth. My friends certainly know this about me. Is I'm fundamentally lazy. Just I'm just plain lazy. So um, you know, sorry, Sarah. I don't have a coach. Uh, I don't want to coach. I don't want to train hard. I don't want to do anything hard. Um, so what I do is I just do stuff. I I go out and uh, have a bit of a run sometimes with friends. And uh, I like events. I like events very much. I really like uh, the camaraderie um, because I don't like the actual running. I don't like running at all. And so being lazy and not liking running means that I don't get hurt. I mean, how can you get hurt if you don't like running and, you, and you're fundamentally lazy? But I love the camaraderie and the whole other side, the other stuff that is around running. Uh, race, race directors especially I've got um, great respect for because without race directors, I wouldn't even bother running. I mean, why would I Why would I run if there's no one to actually time me or pin a medal on me at the end or say, well done, Keith. Um, so being fundamentally lazy and not being addicted to running, in fact, not enjoying running, keeps me very healthy in all sincerity. I am healthy because I never take my body to any stage where I'm close to breaking down. Uh, and that's, that's the bottom line, I'm afraid. Um, which is kind of a, a crazy concept. And I, I see what you're saying. So uh, comparatively speaking, so Susie, right now, are you running like three or four days a week? What does it look like to just kind of cut out the junk and focus on the quality? I do run about six days a week, but not oh, okay. necessarily long days. I mean, I might go out for a four mile run. Uh-huh. So. So you cut it back as opposed to getting into kind of the junk mile territory. Yes. 
you streamlined it, got in a core. So I imagine you're doing some sort of a single longer run. You're doing a track workout uh, and then just a few shorter days. Are you getting a second workout in there? Yep, just to get out and get the heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then comparative. And so what's a track workout for you? You got, you got only favorites? What kind of quality are you doing? Um, pretty good quality. We actually have a group that's been meeting since the late 80s to, uh, every week. You know, as soon as the track clears off, right, until the track gets icy again. And so um, we have someone that leads that workout, Hank Lang, who's triathlete coach and former triathlete himself. And um, he sets uh, the workouts up. So do whatever he tells us to do. Which is good, especially if you're lazy like Keith and you're like, dude, I, I don't want to think about setting workouts, let alone do a workout. Just tell me what I'm going to do and maybe I'll go out and do it, and especially in the social context. So then for then comparatively speaking, then Keith, for you, are you just going out? Are you running much during the week or are you kind of I run a, a little bit with friends during the week? Uh, I've got some idiot friends that still go to work. And so they have to get up really early in the morning. And uh, so I joined them. I'm retired, of course, now. I'm too dang old to work. Um, so I joined them just for the social time. And then most of my long, actually all of my long miles, every one of my long miles is always in an event. So um, I don't do any long runs outside of marathons or ultras. So, um, I mean, this past week I did, I don't think anything in the mornings, maybe two seven-mile runs, and then I did the, the Haines Sport 100 this weekend. So I got 100 miles in on the Saturday, and that's how I do it. And uh, that's just social time with good people. Um, you know, Vanessa Klein and uh, John Swanson putting on a great event there at Haines Sport, and they're the people that fuel me to uh, keep on jogging around in circles. So... Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that I probably inspire uh, people that don't really like running, but can see the interesting places it leads without it actually hurting at all. I, I mean, I just, I don't get injured. I mean, how Which can is, I get injured? I, and I guess hurting in that sense. But so for what Susie's doing in terms of some of the shorter stuff and the intensity, uh, greater, I feel like in my head, um, risk of injury. I mean, you're really calling on the muscles to kind of max out more recruitment, leaving sore in some ways, um, maybe some like technical territory. I mean, Susie, you've been doing it for so long that maybe it doesn't feel like that way anymore. Or has injuries, have injuries been a thing for you or has your body kind of mitigated the, the intensity pretty well? Um, I feel like maybe because I'm doing less, I don't get injured quite so much, but definitely feel a little stiff this week. Um, probably related to travel more than anything. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, enough that it didn't feel so great running this morning. I just got in last night pretty late and uh, from Ireland. And uh, yeah, today's run wasn't very pleasant. I was happy to I was happy to cut it short. Maybe more of a Keith run. <laughs> we should join up sometime, Susie, and have a little gentle run together. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and so there, and then Keith, kind of the, man, but you're going so long. It's not like you're choosing... I mean, it's one thing for somebody, I think, to say that who's not necessarily has the slate of events that you have. Like, as I was thinking about it, like, I don't know, what is it like the what degrees of Kevin Bacon? Was it three degrees or I forget what was the six? How, that, yeah. was six, how many? Six. Six degrees. Of I feel like anybody associate like anybody, I feel like at least stateside at this point um, who's in the trail, let alone ultra community, I would assuming there's like closer to like a a three or less degrees of separation between you, Keith. I mean, you've done so many events and yes, you do maybe do some on repeat, but you've done so many events, but the, my 
point in talking about it isn't that it's more that you're it's not like you're choosing these like mild events and and maybe you're taking them at this kind of lazy like i don't know maybe mild pace in some regards but like you're doing these hard things you're doing like the bad water 135 or you're doing like the right right in your your background there like these things that like people spend their lives and like fortunes trying to build up to that and they're like these environmental conditions that will just crush people let alone you're out there in your your pink uh tutu out there in the middle of this and just looking like the fittest 67 year old like i've ever seen like ever and um, it's not like you're you know the, the reason why i do some of the hard stuff and i'll agree uh bad water's hard i i've you know it but it's it's, it's hot it's, it's really it's dang hot it's hot and dusty and hot did i say it's hot it's hot you know um some of the big adventures i, I love the adventure i love the camaraderie i love the people I, I hate the running don't get me wrong i hate the running so but the great adventures they're all um in interesting places so the only times i'll do hard stuff i was part of a big adventure so you do stop that you do well, hard stuff on a you weekly know, basis you're underselling what's just normal for you <laughs> for example i'll only do leadville and for that matter what such if i'm in the grand slam in other words there has to be a a real sense of camaraderie built up over the four months june july august september to to even get me out there to Leadville or or, or uh, Utah to do Wasatch, otherwise you would not see me out there on those hard courses because you know Leadville and Wasatch are hard. Um, but I'll do them because they're in the Grand Slam, and um, so I've been lucky enough to get through five of them. Uh, it just it, oh the other part, yeah, the other part is live a long time, live a long time, and don't care about it. So if you live a long time, things just unfold without really trying. Um, I will admit that being mortal is is a great motiv- motivator. Uh, I am mortal because my grandparents passed on or my parents passed on, so I wasn't born to a life of immortals, which is a shame. But if I was immortal, I would have no drive to do any of this stuff. Why would I? Why why would I? Why would I go out to uh, you know the heights of Leadville at thirteen and a half thousand feet in uh, in July, August, whatever? It's high up and it's hard. Did I say it's hard? Oh, and that's yep. that's hot. Um, but mortality is a great motivator. So if I want to experience humanity, if I want to experience life with other people, if I want to really engage in being a human, really engage in humanity, that drives me to do these strange adventures, whether it's in Death Valley or whether it's in the uh, the Wasatch Mountains or over the Sierra Nevadas in the Western States. You know, that's the only reason. Why else would I do it? It's, it's hard stuff, but... I am mortal and I want to be human for the remainder of my piece, little piece of mortality. And so doing stuff um, is vitally important to me. And some of that stuff happens to be in hard places. I mean, I won't do hard stuff for the sake of hard stuff. You'll very seldom see me do a 5K. A 5K is really, really hard. And I only see my friends for 20 minutes. So what, you know, why, why would I do that? Whereas if I do something like this weekend at the uh, the Hainsport 100 put on by Vanessa and John, um, you know, I was out there for over 24 hours to get the 100 done and really engaging with people over 24 hours, over a day and a night. Um, it was just a beautiful human experience. I mean, what, what better way to spend a weekend? I could have easily been watching daytime TV or just going to bed early, but instead I chose to run through a day and a night and uh, engage some wonderful people. Um, it's, it's the desire to to live in the moment that I'm still alive that makes me do what appears to be hard stuff. 
but that's the only reason. The, the same was true of your, your Virgil Crests, Ian. I was there in 2010 for my very first one, and I loved it so much. I went back for 2011, 12, and 13. 13 was the rainy year, by the way. That was a year well, I We don't get short. any rain in Virgil. I don't know what you're oh, talking about, but keep going. Oh, God, that was bad. But I had three good years. Um, and there were such good adventures with you, Ian, and the rest of your team. Really just great adventures just up there in upstate New York. That, and, and by the way, your Virgil Crest Ultra is is a hard race. That's not an easy journey. I think the fastest, I know the fastest I ever did it was uh, 29 hours and something, 29 hours, I got it written down, 29 hours and 48 minutes. It takes me a long time to do your uh, damn 100 miler. Um, but the reason I do what appears to be hard stuff isn't because it's hard, it's because other people are there doing it. And, and you were, and one of those members, and it may, and, and, Feel free if any of this sounds fun or to ask uh, Susie or of each other, feel free. Susie, mm -hmm. I also want to respect your time. Um, if you want to write out a conversation, it's cool to awesome to have you in this in this mix because I don't know, I, I think it's fun to to have you two connect. Um, but if you need a jet to understand, yeah. um, curious what Keith's gonna say. Yeah, yeah. So and I think it, it's funny and it could have even been one of your your quicker years or your fastest year at um at Virgil, Keith, I have this memory. Maybe I was going out to check or reset markings or something like that. And you were running with, um, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. Um, he did a bunch of uh, hundreds and ultras early on. I haven't seen him in a number of years. He's New York city based. Um, in any case, I'll remember his name in a second, but, uh, you guys were similar age. I think you were running together. And I think when I came up on you, you were in this deep discussion. I think this must've been around 2009 or 10 or something like it was following like the financial crash or whatever. And as it came up, you two were talking about the book. I think it was a book as opposed to just a, a publishing of some kind, uh, Black Swan, I believe, on something related to economics. And you guys were just like in it. And I was like just checking in. And but you guys were really locked into this discussion. You're kind of deep into it. Now it's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to do the markers because I, I don't I can't really weigh in on this discussion. I don't have really the. I don't have the intellectual, uh, you know, capacity to to offer anything to discussions. So I'm going to move on. But to your point, I mean, yeah, you're in there and you're getting into it with friends, and you're not going to find that in a 5K. Or in Susan's experience, she's going to these amazing like locations and amazing mountain races, and she may be hammering um, at some level like these shorter races. But you're not going to get into a discussion of Black Swan in the middle of the uh, you know the mountain running championship. <laughs> Yeah, there you go, Susie. That, that's true. And by, yeah. the way, by the way, Ian, I just got to say, um, I don't know if it was that particular guy. There was one young young guy, uh, much younger than me, running your race. I think it was barefoot running in the wet oh. year of 2013. Yep, Jake. And he was doing a, a PhD in some kind of brain investigation, some kind of psychology. And we had this deep discussion on what makes humans good runners. And, and it's the, that part of our hemisphere that gives us an awareness of the past and the future. So, you know, we use the past to all the while figure out, are we going too fast? Are we going too slow? How might things turn out based on our lifetime so far? And then it was also, also based on the future, because you know that if you quit, you're going to feel pretty sucky the next day at breakfast. And there's this whole discussion we had that really what makes us great animals, I'll use that word, uh, above, above all the other animals, and this is why I love humanity and I love being a human, is that we forget we have that ability to tap into our past and an ability to project into the future to make us live in the greatness of the moment 
and, and there's no other creature does that. I mean, you can see the joy and zest in a baby or a lamb. Um, you can see the sort of the, the kind of wisdom of a of a big hunter like a lion, but they haven't got that awareness that makes them live in the moment like a human does. And that's what I love about humanity. And so this gentleman and I, we just had this wonderful, wonderful long conversation about where we can run because of, of, of our, whichever hemisphere it is. I'm not, I don't study brains, although you can almost see mine. Um, but it's just a beautiful thing to be human. And, um, and that's, yeah, that was just one of those moments. That was on your trail, Ian. That was, I think it was 2013 on a wet day. That we were so, having a discussion. So how about that experience then for both of you? Like Susie, you with the background on uh, multiple U.S. mountain running uh, teams uh, in the physiological kind of prime years for mountain running, I guess, or for I don't even know if that's that's the correct way to phrase that. Um, but in terms of what we're capable of uh, in terms of, I don't know, energy or power output or, or whatever, um, you must still draw on a lot of that, even though you are mentally and physically like in a different place, but you're drawing on a lot of that, I guess, experience or confidence or competitiveness. And like Keith, for you, it may be spun differently, but you've done so much. Like, I mean, how do you both feel going in? Keith, you've done so many that you still have the same pre-event jitters or uh, second guessing yourself or doubting yourself. It's like, wow, hundred miles. Like, I don't know if I can run a hundred miles or like, that's a long way. I mean, how does that go for each of you going into events and how does that play out? Do you want to go Susie? Okay. Well, I think it's a little harder because I don't race as much. So I feel as though, um, you know, racing every weekend, you get a little confidence, so you get practice. You your head's in the right place, and now I, I, I guess I'm I'm the lazy one. I want to stay home and have coffee and do chores and see my animals, and um, so uh, I I don't get that practice so much. So I think I'm a little more nervous now uh, before a race than I ever was in the past. Um, in a doubt sense or because you kind of fear like discomfort associated with like where would the where would the fear come from well I, I, may, did i say the word fear i no, don't know fear and i may have not i just yeah i guess nerves nerves um, yeah. because i don't know what to expect mm -hmm. and um also i have expectations despite the fact that maybe i shouldn't because i haven't been racing um and um, I also don't feel like I have the fire in the belly anymore, like that just ability to push hard and through it um, you know, at a hard pace. Sounds like chatting about books would be a lot more fun. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should slow down and go longer. <laughs> I read a lot of books. <laughs> And then Keith, how about for you then? I mean, is any of no, that like no, no worries. Um, so I always turn up assuming I can get through. It would be like going to uh, Acme or Publix. I mean, why wouldn't I be able to get my groceries? Um, the only time I have, if I have an awareness that I cannot do something like this year, I did not train. I did not run much at all. I certainly didn't run at altitude, and therefore, even though I was registered for Leadville. I didn't go. There's no way I could get through Leadville. I cannot run that 100 miles up Hope Pass and back in, uh, in less than 30 hours if I'm not at the top of my game, if I'm not absolutely 100% healthy and fit. And uh, this year, coming after a couple of strange years, uh, I'm not 100% fit. 
uh, or as fit as I could be, I can be fitter. And so I didn't even go to Leadville. Um, so, you know, hey, that was easy. Didn't go to Leadville. But I went to, you know, the Hainsport 100 and, um, you know, I'll be doing a few other hundreds this year. Uh, I did a couple of relatively straightforward hundreds, actually more than a couple this year. Uh, Old Dominion, um, Vermont, Burning River. You know, they're all doable. I mean, they're all, if you turn up and you're healthy, you don't have to be a great runner. You just have to be healthy on the start line and jog walk for 25 to 30 hours and you'll get them done. You can't do that at Leadville. So if I'm in a, ever in a situation where I think I won't be able to do it, I, do, I just don't do it. For example, I haven't been back to Badwater for many years, although I'm very tempted to go very soon. And there's a reason for that. I'll, I'll tell you the reason in just a moment. Um, but, you know, my, I, I did eight successful bad waters, just uh, tripping along with some friends. And on year number nine, um, it didn't trip along quite so well. And I, I had my first DNF at Badwater uh, on number nine, which really made me rethink um, looking, again, that humanity thing, looking forward and figuring out, can I do something? And if the answer is no, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do something that I can fail at. Why would I? Life is hard enough. Life is full of failures just around the corner without setting yourself up for disappointment. So, but but however, I will. I intend to go back to Badwater, and um, one of the people that's inspiring me right now, and I'll just throw out a name, is uh, Kaylee Frederick. And Kaylee, I was at her first marathon um, three years ago. Um, I was pacing that marathon, and uh, I ran her in. Uh, she's 14 years old. Uh, went on the first marathon, and then she did her first hundred at 16, and she did her first uh, sub 24 hour to uh, 100 mile at uh, age 17 this year. I was I was there, and so I'd love to go to Badwater to share that journey with her. We'd, we're a half a century apart. She's 17, I'm 67, but I would just love to share that adventure with uh, with Kaylee. Um, but of course, I will need to train through the winter, and then I'll need to hit the sauna in spring. So I'll have to do things. But otherwise, um, whenever I go into something, there's never any fear of, of failure because I just try not to set myself up for failure. That's simple as that. I'm lazy, remember? Is there a competition angle for both of you? I mean, Susie, you still, I mean, it's even though maybe you're at a different place, um, that's such a defining experience set for your background that, I mean, I'm, and you referenced it there in terms of you still hold yourself to a certain level of like competition. Um, are you still striving for wins or holding yourself to comparisons or is it more just the feeling of I went out and had a certain level of fire or aggression? Um, I think I, I do want to place well in my age category. I've definitely not been trying to place outside my age category too much, unless it's a really small little race. But, um, yeah, I, I set my expectations. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's really where I am. Yep. Um, and how about for you, Keith? Are you, is are you, <laughs> you hold yourself to certain like time goals or is there a level no. of or no? Um, I, I don't have time goals, but I'd, actually I'd be lying if I did, if I said I wasn't competitive, you've only got to, uh, Ask my friend Bundy Whist, and uh, if we're on a training one together, I'll try and kick his ass, and he will try and kick my ass. So there's some uh, there's some friendly rivalry, and in an event, I, I would I I enjoy not sucking. I will, I will be honest. 
Um, and until a few years ago, I enjoyed the occasional win of something. I think I was, I probably peaked, to be honest, uh, at age 61. Uh, I was really kind of good at this stuff at 61. The last six years have been a little, um, not been quite as kind. But I'm not out of the game yet. I mean, I think of someone like Gene Dykes. Gene Dykes, uh, who broke the, the world record in the marathon uh, at age 70 with a two-hour 53. And he's still doing astonishing things, uh, 100 miles, 200 miles at age 73. So that's Gene Dykes. So although I'm mortal and um, death is a great motivator, I'm, I'm not out of the game yet. And people like Gene Dykes or Bob Becker uh, give me some uh, idea that I can still do something. But I was at my best at age 61. Um, so at age 61, I did try and win. I, I tried to beat the field. Now, I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm content with just getting the age group thing, which um, I, I, I put that off for so long. I really wished I would never, ever say I won my age group. Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say it, and occasionally I do pull that card. Uh, but I try not to. I really, I really just try and be a, a human, a part of humanity, rather than a you know, give myself a pat on the back for being an old human. Anyone can and, do that. And how about for both of you, the importance of other, uh, just because I'm feeling it in my own body here, and I'm only mid 40s, so I'm a bit behind you guys, but um, in terms of how it's breaking down and how weaker I'm getting, are you guys both doing some level of uh, strength work or other stuff that's woven in that maybe you didn't do prior or that's not really, not part of your, your routine? Well, that's where I get lazy. Um, and maybe that's, I think when I start feeling something, on, that's when I start picking up my strength work again and uh, save myself. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Just yep. not part of my regular routine. And how about I, for you, Keith? I mean, yeah, are you I'm, just... I'm different there. I am there. I do actually try and I try now. As I say, my, my peak years were age 60. I'm now six years beyond that. At 61, 60, uh, I could just run and, and be a very good runner. Just, just a good runner, not a good old runner, but a good runner. Now, with age, I've, um, I've discovered about myself, at least, that other kinds of training really makes me more resilient. And so I will spend, instead of going to the office each day, since I'm now retired, I'll go to my gym, uh, Club La Maison, here in Wayne, and I'll work out there. I'm a particular fan of a program called Les Mills Body Pump. I love moving weights around to music and then again, enjoying the camaraderie of group exercise. And I think it won't make me a faster runner, but I think it will keep me healthy to be on the start line of many more runs for a bit longer. So I now do um, weight training, uh, you know, lightweights, high reps, and I think it'll make me a more resilient human being, but it's not going to make me a better runner, sadly. It makes you look fantastic, though, when you're out there with well-oiled skin in the desert and wearing a tutu. I mean, you look like one of the fittest men alive. Um, so, you know, it's clearly that was my question is whether that's kind of all natural or whether you've had to both kind of do some sort of strength work to perpetuate kind of what you're doing. Um, so, I, yeah, well, I'm also I'm also kind of skinny. Um, I, I don't. Um, OK, you know, I have three mantras to help me be a, a decent runner. And number two is is to run, not number one. Uh, number one is uh, a commitment to health. Uh, if you're not healthy, you, you won't even get to the start line. Or if you do be on the start line, you're not healthy, you, you're not going to have a good day. So rule number one is commitment to health, uh, live healthily. Rule number two is run a little bit, because if you want to run, you've got to 
run. And number three, and, and this, you know, most we know this, I can tell on this podcast, we all know it, is to reduce the, the burden that you carry through this life, be as light as possible. Just simply don't burden yourself. Every, every morning you get out of bed, don't put too much weight on those two feet and, um, and live life light. It's as simple as that. There's no, and because of that, I guess I look kind of lean and um, somewhat muscular, but it's just because there's not a covering of uh, layers of fats over my emaciated old body. So, um, yeah, those three things commitment to health, run a little bit, and uh, be light, live light. And so, what's still out there for goals for you guys? What, um, Susie, what do you still have? Do you have any? bucket list items that you've not uh, gotten to uh, yet? And then Keith, are you, are you just in perpetual motion of doing a, um, I don't know, some awesome community race like every weekend from now until eternity? Or what, what do you two visualize for the next like uh, 10 years? What do you got bucket list wise? Well, I am working on um, schemo. That's my late thing, newest thing. Um, just kind of barely got started with it last year, um, and I hope to work on that this year. Um, uh, really haven't done much alpine skiing uh, in some decades, so I've got to work on that skill a little bit more of a Nordic skier. So go into a different sport, um, but uh, being outdoors in the wintertime, which I like to do. So. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, for me, I guess, I don't guess, I would like to do another uh, two Grand Slams um, so I'm at number five, I think seven would put me uh, equal first. Um, and it's such a great journey, June to uh, September. So I'd like to do two more Grand Slams. And I'd like to do two more Badwaters. I'd like to round up successfully number nine and then do number 10. Other than that, just, um, yeah, enjoy the people along the way. Yep. And who's got the top? Is that, that's not like a Hans Dieter Weiser or something. Who's got like the Grand Slam? I, I don't know who it is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I think I think the I think the the max is now it currently when I last looked it was number seven. I apologize, uh, or madam, for not knowing who you are, um, but I'll look it up when I get there. Yeah, right on. Um, all right, and that's a pretty cat, Susie. If if unless that's a snow leopard over your shoulder that's about to pounce, and you know that. That is yeah. Smitty. Hi, Smitty. Um, well, awesome. You guys are both uh, phenomenal athletes. And as much as I have, Susie, it was a great time. I really enjoyed actually personally connecting with you uh, on this round. Uh, maybe we'll cross paths in the uh, New England mountains uh, at some point here. Where in Vermont are you based? Uh, Brattleboro. Brattleboro. Nice. Um, going to try to take my daughter up, one of my daughters up there for a ski trip uh, in your neck of the woods, hopefully this winter. Um, uh, and then Keith, hopefully we'll cross paths somewhere, uh, out there again with the, it's tough not to cross paths with you. Um, I mean, you're really all over the place. Um, I'll be thanks to virtual crest. Uh, good luck this weekend with that one, by the way, Ian, yeah, all the best. Thank you. And, uh, thanks. I'll return. I, I will get back there. Cool. Okay. Maybe I'll be out there and sharing some miles. This might be my last year at the helm there. Um, and then I'll, okay. I'll hand it off, but, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pace you just to, to chat on some sort of life discussion in the later miles. Not because you need good. a pacer, but just an opportunity to just hang out for a while. Perfect. Yeah, right on. Um, well, Susie and Keith, I really enjoyed having you both on uh, for a bit tonight. Um, Susie, hopefully you recover, uh, get some sleep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Keith, what, what do you have on deck this weekend? What are you doing? Uh, chasing the Unicorn Marathon in a local town called Bucks County. So time to have a little run there with friends and have a few beers afterwards. So that's the plan for Sunday. Right on.
All right. Um, well, good to connect with you both. And I will uh, catch you on another round. All right. Great. Thank awesome. you. Go All, right, yeah. All, All right. See you. All nice right. Bye. All right. For those who tuned in uh, to this episode, whether live or after the fact, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for sharing and for just weighing in, keeping us in the loop. If you got things going on in your community, I uh, like to hear it, like to share it. And um, for those of you who may be joining us for Virgil Crest this weekend, uh, we'll see in just a couple of days here for those running um, either hard or not hard in your own neck of the woods. I hope you have great weekends ahead. It looks like it's a, a nice weather weekend, at least in our region. Uh, so hopefully you are going to uh, milk it for all it's worth. All right. So um, till next round. And I don't know what's coming next week. I'll try to bring you some voices, I guess, from Virgil Crest, maybe something from Kismet Cliff, maybe the Hurricane 100K. Uh, but I guess we'll figure that out uh, next week. All right. Uh, thanks again. Until that time. See ya.